Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West End podcast with me, Will Pugh, and my very good friend, James Jones. James, lovely to see you, mate. It's been uh, another two weeks since we spoke on the We Are West End podcast. Obviously, in frequent contact away from our podcast duties because we're such firm friends these days. Uh, the last time uh, we were in touch, mate, I believe. Now, you might have to clarify this. Was I texting you during the Brentford game or not? Because I was fortunate enough to go. Uh, I'd had a couple of wines. And uh, by the end of the day, um, I, it was one of those where I woke up on Sunday not remembering who I'd texted and who I hadn't. No, no, he didn't text me, mate. Um, quite disappointed that he didn't actually. You must have been oh. texting quite a lot of people, <laughs> um, but you just didn't text me. Um, just rogue people, fine. though, mate. You know, rogue people. Yeah. When you wake up and then get notifications, and you're like, "Oh God, what have I done there? Why have I spoken to that person? What a nightmare!" Yeah, there was no notifications for me, though, mate. Cause you didn't no. text me. So oh, sorry. Mate. Um, do you want? Do you want oh, to hear I'm, I'm sure you had a great time. It was. It was very enjoyable. Yeah, yeah I was disappointed. You, I did invite you to come. To be fair. You invited me. Chad phoned me up on the on the Thursday and said, "Mate, do you fancy it?" I said, "Sorry, I can't do it. It's Lucy's birthday. Too busy. Other um, things to do." Yeah. So, um, so yeah. do you want to do you want to talk about on air the fact that that was one of three social events I've texted you about doing with me recently, and you snubbed me for each and every one of them? Uh, so perhaps it's the insecurity I'm feeling about the state of our friendship at the moment that meant I didn't text you during the Brentford game. Three events, is it? Pretty sure it was three, yeah. The oh. uh, Blown Bubbles writers do. Oh, yeah. The Brentford game and the Betway Cup. Yeah, I'm sorry, mate. That is it's three um... events, each and every one. Oh, I would, mate, but uh, Lucy doesn't let me do anything these days. <laughs> <laughs> Especially yeah, not with you. Life. <laughs> yeah married life no it's it's been a strange month like it's one of those you know sometimes you have those months where you've got loads on um and i think it's been that it's, it's been a case of lucy knows that it's still pre-season though she's like right i'm booking in every everything now yeah. before the season starts and um it's all just come on top of me and every, literally every weekend but i've had mates going fancy a couple of beers and seen me for a few months i'm like sorry guys can't do it mm. um it's not just i'm it's not just you as a mate. I've had to, <laughs> right. I've had to, um, I've had to 
you know, turn my brother down for a couple of meets as well. It's just everything. I'm just such a popular and busy well, man. That's it. Social butterfly, mate, aren't you? That is the problem. I like how you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, um, uh, Lucy's booking me in now before and you went the season starts rather than before the season starts and she's having to pick me up from Woodford after I've had 15 pints every other Saturday. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. <laughs> uh, fair enough, mate. I'll... Um, I think I can uh, I can let you off. Lucy, an absolutely wonderful lady as well. So I know she's not the type to be dominating your life from afar. Uh, loads of stuff to talk about, mate. Loads of things that uh, have occurred since we last spoke. And we even made a transfer, didn't we? A player yeah. who may even improve our first team. Not in any of the positions that we're in desperate need for reinforcements, of course. Alphonse Ariola arrived. An excellent pedigree. Pretty impressive at CV. Uh, I guess we should start there, mate. Plenty of other things to cover, but what, what did you make of that? And we'll go alphabetical order. It's it's a good signing. Um, I, don't, I don't know why we've made it. Like, I've, it baffles <laughs> me a little bit. It's like, yeah, that's a really, really good signing, West Ham, but it's not the signing we needed to make. Um, I, I get that with the option to buy next summer, Fabianski's going to be leaving into his contract. He's going to be pretty cheap. I think Ariola at what, 15 million quid, I think the option is. Um, so it does make sense to bring him in, but absolutely no idea whether we go straight into starting 11 or not. I think Fabianzi is still good enough to, to keep his place. But then he was impressive for Fulham last season, wasn't he? So I think it's a good signing. I would have rather of them gone for a striker. You know, bring bring five strikers in before you bring in a bring in a goalkeeper. We've already got five goalkeepers. Yeah. I think today we announced that we brought in a youth goalkeeper as well. Yeah, yeah, Goal- we did. Literally, we've got a goalkeeper to cover every position on the outfield pitch. Uh, it's just, it's mad. So, yeah, good signing. I'm happy with it. I think he's a good player, but it, it baffles me that we've we've gone in for a keeper where we absolutely don't need a keeper yet. Well, James, you know what I'm saying? The last goalkeeper that we loaned from Paris Saint-Germain, can you tell me yeah. who it was? Bernard Lama? Yes, it was. Bernard Pascal Lamar. I mean, if he's anything uh, you know, in that sort of calibre, and I'm talking just cult hero status, but nothing to do really with appearances on the pitch. 97-98 season um, was when Lamar came, played 12 games for us. Uh, yeah, I tracksuit mean, bottoms. Love the tracksuit uh, bottoms, don't exactly, he? Exactly, yeah. Excellent hair. All about Bernard Lamar. So, yeah, if I mean... Uh, if Alphonse Arioli can carry on along those lines, like you say, like you know, I think uh, the the thought was among people I've been talking to about it is that it's he's there probably won't get in straight away. Fabianski started against uh, Brentford at the weekend, had a good game. He won't get in straight away. However, given Fabianski's injury record over the past couple of seasons, not prolific injuries, of course, not massively injury prone, you wouldn't say. But he's liable to get one during a season, isn't he? And I think given that it wasn't too long ago that our number two goalkeeper was Roberto, um, I think ultimately the, the thought seems to be that if Fabianski gets injured and then he comes in and plays well, then he, he, there's every chance he could he could keep the number one jersey from then on. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a good train of thought. Uh, it, but... There's there's rumours that Darren Randolph has been told that he's allowed to, he can stay as well. So I don't know what what, what happens with Darren Randolph. Um, David Martin's never going to leave. He won't he won't want to leave, will he? 
Um, just going <laughs> to stick around forever. I think to um, be fair to the bloke, he's basically just getting paid in like a really good season ticket isn't he he's yeah. just got like yeah. the best he just gets to sit on the bench and watch the game but i don't think he actually gets any salary <laughs> yeah probably not no he just he sort of rocks up to the training ground each day as well says hello to the lads <laughs> yeah. sticks his boots on as a little as a little jog saves yeah. a couple of balls and then back in the calf for everyone to come in afterwards gives it ba- off his yeah name. just carries his autograph book around he's basically got a yeah. home and away season ticket and just gets like basically to be a mascot every week <laughs> and that's his wages for playing at the club what a job yeah yeah so yeah i, I mean it, i don't know i what what are your thoughts on randolph then just briefly I, we might have covered this before but i thought i thought you know west ham fans were fairly unanimous in liking him and thinking he was a solid number two i've certainly of that school of thought and all of a sudden now i don't know if it's because we've just made a signing but a few people i've i've heard from i'm talking fans here rather than anyone close to the club um yeah all of a sudden oh yeah he's got a mistake in him so has he well, where, where's this doubt come from? I, I thought he's pretty solid. I think he's a solid number two. Um, and that, that, again, sort of adds to the, the confusion over the signing. Um, I, you know, whenever, last season in particular, whenever Fabianski did get injured, which is always in the warm-up before a game. Um, <laughs> Without fail, yeah. yeah. R- Randolph would be coming in with very short notice, come in, step in, and he'd do a good job. Mm. Um, I think the first time he did that last season was away at City and... Um, we lost to a quite a late goal. Um, he, he's never. I don't. I don't recall him ever making a, a sort of a standout mistake that's cost us big time. It's just a safe pair of hands, and um, that's why I'm a little bit baffled that we've made this move. Okay, it's with one eye on the future, of course, but I don't know what's Randolph going to do now. And like, are they going to keep him for a year so he's number two to Ariola next year? I mean, was he going to just? Well, what, play, yeah, the odd, mean, play the odd League Cup game. Um, I don't know. Surely, it's, it's he won't know, will he? I mean, surely... I like the idea of Ariola being our Europa League goalkeeper, and I like the idea that we're a club who who does that, like Man United do. They have a Premier League number one and a European number one. Um, so, yeah, maybe... It just seems like an odd agreement, that, doesn't it? I mean, three goalkeepers seems like too many. I think, yeah, have your Europa League goalie. There's every chance we'll only have six games. And then surely for a goalie of Aliriola's quality, then just have him for the cup games as well. And or do you whack Randolph in for the League Cup? And then yeah, but I don't know. We're thinking no, too much about I don't, it, I don't know. Jamesy. Yeah, I think. I think, I think we are. It's, it's just a weird one that we, you know we've we've got three good goalkeepers and and only one striker. Yeah. Still, and I think I, I think that's the confusion in it at the moment. It's a bit like, well, what what are we doing? Priorities yeah. are all wrong. Because we've made no other signings, isn't it? Everyone's going, what the hell? But um, yeah, yeah, no, f- fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Well, look, let's stay on um, transfers uh, or lack of while we're um, we're on the topic then. So you've got your links to Kurt Zuma and Milenkovic and Pereira from West Brom. The Lingard deal gone. Uh, squad looking a bit thin. Um you start, you pick. Which one do you want to start with? Zuma, Milinkovic, Pereira or Lingard? Well, the Pereira one's interesting because he's he's come out earlier this week and um, with quite an angry statement on, on Twitter saying that, you know, he, he refutes any allegations that he's not committed to to the cause. <laughs> However, uh, I can't wait to leave. He, <laughs> even though even though he's asked to leave and he hasn't played a single pre-season game yet mm. uh, for West Brom, he's basically gone, I'll train, but I ain't playing a game. 
Um, so, but it, it, I think a lot of West Brom fans in particular have gone, look, mate, like, if you're going to go, just go. Uh, he's clearly not committed to it. And I think he's he's sort of bitten back a little bit. But he says in that statement that a few weeks ago, he got offered, uh, a, he, got, he got given an offer that would change his life and his family's life. Now, that's definitely not West Ham. Because we ain't, if, if we can't afford to to give Sue Fowler a big pay rise, then we're not going to be throwing a lot of money at Mateus Pereira, are we? So, um, but there is this there is this Saudi club that that are also interested in him, but they can't match what what West Brom want. So that's one I'm 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 really interested to see where that one goes because if, if the Lingard deal's dead, which we're led to believe it is, um, one report the other day was that um, he either wants to stay at United or play abroad. He doesn't want to come back to West Ham. Which I mean, I don't know how much of that I believe, but um, it does seem like that deal's dead. And we said at the end of last season, if if we can't bring Lingard back, then Pereira is the obvious alternative. And it appears that you know we're in talks, um, but it's whether we can get that one over the line. I'd be very surprised if we are the club that that gave him that line life changing offer, though. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where that one goes. But I, I really want him. I really, really want him. I think he's a good player. Okay, right. A few places to start on this then. Uh, I want to, first of all, the, I think he's on about 30 grand a week at West Brom. I think when he first signed for them, he, he was getting like six. And then he's had a new deal since, at least one new deal since, and gets in the region of 30 grand a week now. Uh, there was talks that West Ham were potentially, again, This is these are very spurious reports. This is nothing from uh, any particularly reputable sources. Uh, of mine or that I've read, but there was talk of a 50 to 60 grand contract. Now, in my eyes, six grand a week to 30 grand a week is life changing. 30 grand to 60. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's again, double your money and it's still hugely. I don't know. I don't know if that particularly counts as, as life changing or not. So that's that one thing. Uh, and what I'm thinking of, I think we sort of touched on this a bit last week, mate. I'm especially having been to the Brentford game at the weekend. I am fairly confident with Saeed Ben Rama filling the Jesse Lingard shoes. Now I know I was quite a Ben Rama detractor last season. I don't take back any of that at all. However, I think he's had another summer under David Moyes. I still think there's massive room for improvement. He played really well at the weekend, scored an excellent goal. By all accounts, has looked pretty sharp over pre-season. And again, I, I always think transfer policy should be dictated by improve your very worst position all the time, like improve your weakest area all the time, all the time, and, and keep doing that. Um, so I don't necessarily think that that, that is our, our weakest position. However... Not that I can already hear people, be it on Twitter or texting me or whatever, um, or even listen to this podcast going, yeah, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't improve other areas of the squad. So maybe they're right on that. I'm having a conversation with myself here, Jonesy. I think that is the point of this podcast, isn't it? That I say things and rather than talk to myself, I wait for you to respond. So <laughs> I see where you're coming from. I don't... I think Ben Rama can play that role and mm. he's shown in pre-season in, in state in sort of phases that he can. But we've we've said it about the midfield, definitely up front and potentially at the back as well, is that we need depth. Mm. We've lost Lingard. Um, regardless of whether um, Ben Rama can play that role, 
and will play that role, we're going to need an alternative because he's not going to play 50 games next season. Um, and there's no one else really that can play that role in the squad. Um, effectively, I don't yeah. think. For, I think for now, she's going to be effective in that position. Lanzini, um, probably not. Lanzini, he's kind of been tr- retrained into a yeah, deep yeah. run playmaker, so he's not going to play that role. Um, Bowen potentially, but I just, I, I'm, I'm not sure. Nah, nah. Are we going to need someone else in that in that role? Um, yeah. Even if Ben Rama is Moyes' first choice, and I think having some, if you've got a pair of like Ben Rama and Pereira in that position going into a season, you're quietly confident that, yep. you know, that, you know, that's probably the strongest part of the part of the squad. So I think regardless of what Moyes' plans are with Ben Rama, I think Pereira still should be, still should be doing all we can to bring him in. Cause, yeah. um, but yeah, cause last year we had Ben Rama and Lingard. Yeah. Yeah. And, true. You know, so, so yeah. And just loads of people crying that Lingo, uh, Ben Rahm wasn't playing every single game, even though Lingard exactly. was playing out of his skin. One last one on Pereira then. Do we, as fans, slash Moyes, given his track record personality-wise, want a player who's exhibiting, exhibiting very strong Mark Arnautovic vibes with a, a statement refusing to play pre-season games, etc., etc.? Is that what we're looking for or Moyes is looking for? I don't know because West Brom and um, Ismail, the, the the new the new West Brom manager, haven't specifically said that he's refusing to play. Um, it might be that you know the new boss has arrived and turned around and gone right. Well, you're you're leaving because you've expressed the desire to leave, and you know fair enough. You're good enough to 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 be playing at high level in the championship, so I'm not going to play you. We don't really know what the inside story is on that, but he's not mm. played any games. He has asked to leave which is understandable. So it's difficult to really call it. He said in his statement, you know, he respects the club. He wants the club to get as much money as possible mm. as a, you know, because he, he he's thankful to West Brom for bringing him to, yeah, to yeah. England and, and giving him his Premier League chance. So I don't know whether he's, he's showing hundred percent Marco on average fires, but I can see why people might, might view it that way. Um, so yeah, it's a difficult one to call on that front. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I, I got about a third of the way into the statement and the grammar was annoying me, so I closed yeah. it. Yeah, oh, it's terrible, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it is, of course, his second language and he'll undoubtedly be far more multilingual than I am, but um, it was getting on my nerves a bit. I was like, just get your agent to have a look. Put it, Don't just put it through Google Translate and whack it up in fancy font. That's not going to yeah. make me overlook the fact there's glaring commas that should be... Uh, <laughs> Um, in there somewhere. Right next, then James, we'll uh, we'll see what happens with that one. But you have convinced me that we can, you know, that we should have have more than just say Ben Rama because yeah, he's certainly not fifty games. Um, yeah, not not going to play fifty games this season. So convinced on that one. Uh, Nikola Milenkovic. Apparently, West Ham made a fourteen million pound bid for the Fiorentina defender. He's Serbian. Uh, usual sort of stuff. Um, Twenty three years old. A lot of time left. Uh, apparently, apparently, we made a bid for him last summer of twenty three million. Um, and we've decided he's worth nine million less than that. Twelve months later, uh, what's your your thoughts about that one? I don't know a great deal about him. Um, I've done a bit of research since you started being linked with him uh, last month. I think it was, and you know he's he, he's got a lot of potential. He's a ball playing centre half, which we we lack 
I think we lack a, we do lack a ball playing centre half, so it's, it's good that we're looking to bring one of those in. Um, I think Zoom is another one that we were looking at. It's a similar similar player. I think Milenkovic has probably got a little bit more potential um, than Zuma, and it'd be a hell of a lot cheaper. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know a, a massive amount amount about it, but if all you got to do is. Google, Google him. Don't go on YouTube and watch highlight reels because that's only going to make him look like Maldini. But um, if you if you read the articles about him, you know, read the expert, Serie A expert stuff like that, apparently he's the real deal. Um, mm. But then that makes me wonder why, if he's coming to West Ham for, what, 14 million quid, why isn't he going to a bigger club for, for a bigger fee? I don't know. But he's young, he's got potential, and he's a, he plays, his style of play is something that we need in, in defence, I think. Yeah, well, um, you know, your absolutely outstanding advice there about how to research a player, just Google him. Well, I've done just that, James. Uh, and I can tell you from uh, an art- the first article I've looked, Milinkovic is big and strong, uh, tenacious in the tackle and dominant in the air. Very similar in playing style to Nemanja Vidic. Yeah, I don't know how much of a ball playing centre-half he was, but... Uh, hey, 28 Serbia caps. And again, Serbia no slouches, a reasonably decent international outfit. Uh, we've seen with our, our Czech international stars, you know, that's it's sort of obviously Czech Republic slightly better than Serbia, you'd suggest. Um, but ultimately, yeah, you know what, though, James, you mentioned it there. I have absolutely fallen in love with the idea of signing Kurt Zuma only because of his prowess from set pieces for Chelsea last season. He was a fantasy Premier League dream with goal upon goal upon goal. We all know how lethal West Ham are and were last season under David Moyes from set pieces. I think who cares what he's like at the back. If he nods 15 goals a season, which would probably be the same (laughs) as our one centre forward does, then sign him up. Maybe that's David Moyes' plan is to bring someone like Zuma in. Um, and with his set piece plan, you know he could be the first player to score twenty or more Premier League goals in a season for West Ham since I'm pretty sure Marlon Harewood, maybe John Hartson. <laughs> so um, yeah, maybe that's the plan. Bring Kurt Zuma in. So, so, suddenly you've got a 20, 20 goal a season player because we've struggled to sign one, haven't we, for for a very long time? Exactly, mate. Well, um, apparently though, Zuma said to have his heart set. On a deal, according to the Daily Mail, that one is. Um, West Chelsea, sorry, want around 25 million for the Frenchman. West Ham are willing to pay up to 20. Um, that final uh, piece of information, West Ham prepared to pay up to 20, is from Sky Sports. Um, and we know that their, a lot of their information does tend to have quite a a board friendly leaning, doesn't it? Lots of transfer mm. stories regularly coming out of Sky and quite a few contacts or quite a few Sky journalists have obviously got reasonably close contacts um, with board level at West Ham, as opposed to perhaps some other journalists who, who get more of their information from agents and stuff. So I don't know. So if you had, if you had to pick then James, um, who are you going for just for what they can bring to the team and, and overall value? I think Zoom is, you make a good point about Zoom and his aerial threat and his Premier League experience. Um, but I quite like the idea of Milinkovic. I think he's a little bit younger. Um, I might be completely wrong there. I haven't got the data in front of me. But, um, but yeah, and I, I don't know. I just It's quite, quite a cool name, isn't it? <laughs> it is a I cool name. It. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think summing up, I don't, I don't think I'd be too fast either way. 
No. I think, you know, it would be good to be good to have another centre half in the squad now Balbuena's gone. Yeah. Uh there's still a lot of question marks over whether Moyes for hundred percent trust Diop. Yeah. And Ogbonner and um Dawson are sort of well into their their thirties. So it's, it, it, it makes sense to bring centre-half in, and given the amount of games we're going to play. We're going to need to rotate quite a lot in that position, I think. Yeah, I agree. I must admit, though, if I had to pick, um, I completely disagree with you, by the way. Kurt Zuma has got to be the coolest name there is, I think. Yeah, I Zuma, suppose so. what, You know what I mean? Milinkovic, I agree. Yeah. Milinkovic is cool. Milinkovic just rolls off the tongue, though, doesn't it? It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nice to Milink- say. I'd say Milinkovic is about a 7 out of 10 on the Danny Zuko scale. Danny Zuko probably being the coolest bloke who's ever walked the planet. Granted, he's not real, but you you get where I'm going with this. And I'd say Kurt Zuma has got to be, that's got to be a 9 on the Zuko scale, I reckon. 8.5. Given, given, by the way, that Craig Dawson is, that's got to be a a (laughs) 2, isn't it? (laughs) That is it. That is a dead name right there. Yeah, give you that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, right, fair enough, James. I say for Zuma, like you say, he's, he is a little bit older. Zuma at 26. No, French international, I just think if that's the difference in money you're talking, um, I'd like to see Zuma come in. Bit of Prem experience, European experience, absolutely fabulous in the air. I think, Josie, that's pretty much it as far as transfers go, isn't it? You, you sort of mentioned on the notes that the squad's are looking desperately thin. Um, are you getting worried yet, mate? Because the one thing I do keep thinking, I know it's easy for anyone listening to this podcast or for anyone I talk to about it, I think it's easy to look around and go, you know what? No one else is really doing much, are they? It's been fairly quiet, I would say, certainly not to a level. I know Palace have been doing some bits, that Mark Guayhi, um coming in from Chelsea, looked decent at Swansea last season. I wouldn't have minded us going for him. He looks like he might be able to do a bit. Um, and they've done some fairly shrewd business, Palace. But I'm not exactly bowled over by by Tottenham or by Arsenal or Leicester have made one or two good signings. Um, do, you, do you know what I mean? It's, it doesn't. It's quite a stale market, it feels at the moment. And so if we're going into, I, I think obviously the the onus would have been on us. I'd like to see us be making more moves than anyone because we're going from a Premier League only campaign to a, a, a European campaign. So I, I, I appreciate that us doing the same as everyone else is effectively going backwards. I, I do appreciate that. But is there any, do, do you take any solace from everyone else's sort of relative lack of action? No, I don't. <laughs> All right, next then. <laughs> no, I, I just think that I, I think it's, I am a little bit worried, but at the same time, I do still, trust David Moyes to, to bring in the players that he wants and the ones that he thinks are going to improve his his squad going into next season. Um, I've seen a lot of fans on, on social media slagging the club off, uh, you know, not making you know, not making the moves that they should be making, not signing the Which players. Which is surprising, actually, isn't it? I rarely see that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I've not seen it for... 12 months um, but <laughs> since January to be fair I was leading it in six, January six but... months yeah but yeah on, I don't for one minute believe that the, the club are literally sitting there on their hands going oh we quite like to sign that player oh, oh we should sign for so and so instead oh we quite like to sign this, that player like they are trying to sign players I have no doubt about it um, 
it is quite clearly given, as you say, that there hasn't been a great deal of business elsewhere involving other clubs. It's it's a, diff- a difficult market, I'm sure. And um, where you know deals with the likes of Tammy Abraham is concerned and Kurt Zuma at, at Chelsea, we've got one player that a club like Chelsea wants, which makes negotiations to buy some of their players a hell of a lot harder. Because um, yeah, yeah, you know, definitely, if we're going for Tammy Abraham and they're going, okay, well, you can have Tammy if, if we can have Deck, and if we're we going to go, well, absolutely not. So deals like that are hard. Um, we, the one worry, the massive worry I've got is that we don't bring a striker, in, mm. a proper striker. Um, we yeah. cannot go into Europa League season with just Mikel Antonio up front. Mate, even two is not enough. It'd be man. criminal. Even two is not enough. Well, like, exactly. Well, I mean, that's true. That's true. Um, you can't. The fact not, that they've not brought one in yet is worrying that, me. We're three weeks away from the window closing. Since January as well, man. And I mean, we haven't got a striker. It's literally. Well, that, that's it. <laughs> like, You'd have thought that they'd have been doing that work. There's enough time to knock up January. a shortlist, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, and you know, like we were looking at was it that Sema at um, Slavia? He's gone to Spain. Um, I think it was Sema. Uh, he was at Slavia Prague. He's mm. gone to Spain. That Yaromchuk who did well for Ukraine in, in the Euros. He's gone uh, to Ro- to Roma. I think I might be wrong, but he's gone elsewhere. He signed for someone else. So we're missing out on all these targets. Apparently, Tammy wanted to come for come to West Ham, but now Arsenal are interested. So now he's now he wants to go to Arsenal. He doesn't want to come to West Ham anymore. Oh, yeah, I understand that. Um, so we're, it's either we're, we're making moves for these players too late or we're not actually making moves for these players at all and we've got another plan somewhere else. Um, but it has to get to a point where if we go for someone's player, particularly at this stage of the window, and they quote us 30 million quid for him, then at this stage of the window, you can't go, now nah, we'll give you 20 million quid because clubs aren't going to take take a smaller fee so late in the window when they're going to have to rush and try and replace that that player. So the time to do business for a striker was a month ago. It's now getting precariously late and that's that's where I worry. That's where I really worry. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, the striker thing, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, obviously there's more. Well, you'd hope there's more to it, but honestly... I, from January, it was such a criminal offence not doing it in January. And whether or not it came back to buy us is, is up for discussion. There is that view that, well, we might have finished Champions League if we'd have we'd have bought someone else in because we obviously did lose out, didn't we? We lost Mikel Antonio for some games after January, which was inevitable and will happen again. Yeah. Credit to Antonio, though. He looked really sharp against Brentford. He looked really sharp and really fit and really lean and he looked... Yeah, he looked like he'd had a good old rest and and he looks back to his mean, lean best, I must admit. I was uh but yeah, I, yeah. The the striker's so the obvious one, isn't it? A striker and a centre midfielder. I mean, it's nice buying a goalie, it'd be nice buying Pereira. But you under any good work and any positivity that is gained by bringing in Pereira or Ariola is undercut and undermined drastically by not having not bringing a centre forward and a centre midfielder.
this has flown quite nicely through luck rather than judgment. Anyone at home thinking we're just outstanding broadcasters after all this time. Um, that centre midfield spot, Jonesy, you've written Connor Coventry down in the notes and I've written Manuel Lanzini, uh, both featured at Brentford on the weekend. Manuel Lanzini looked really good. He spoke after the game really positively about the new position. He's saying it means he gets more time on the ball, more touches of the ball. And ultimately, it sounded like he was just pleased to play some more minutes of football in a West Ham shirt. Um, positive from that side of things. I am concerned about him having the lack of physicality uh, when the opposition teams have got the ball. I appreciate that there's the argument, as we saw last season, that he'll only play against the weaker teams where his def- the defensive onus on him is much less and he's just used to pick the ball up and use it, transition it really, really quickly. And he can join in attacks. And I like that. I think it was Burnley away, I think it was, where he was absolutely outstanding. And it was like the first time he played it. And he was brilliant, wasn't he? And uh, so that bit's fine. I just worried when he was there on Saturday a couple of times defensively, I thought, oh, that's you're going to be in trouble against... um, you know, the, against some quick, powerful defenders, basically. He's very slight, and for him to be playing in quite a deep-lying midfield position, I think he will lack a bit of physicality defensively. But, uh, you know, what what do you think about the idea that that, that he could be one of those centre midfielder slots that, that we're crying out for? Because let's be honest, Mark Noble's going to be limited to, to League Cup games, isn't he? Maybe early stage FA Cup games, and then one or two sub appearances maybe in the Premier League and the Europa League. I imagine he'll get a token Europa League appearance, but realistically, um, yeah. What, what do you make of the Lanzini stuff then before we move on to Coventry? Well, I like the look of him, as you said, in that Burnley game. Um, but I think realistically, it's, it's good that he that he he's enjoying sort of training in that role and, and enjoying his new responsibilities there. But Realistically, he's only gonna he's not gonna start many games in that in that position. And he'll be used as a player to come on in games that we perhaps need a winner against a weaker side that have been quite sort of defensively solid. Um, or if we're chasing an equalizer or a winner. Um sort of or you know, if we if we're dominating possession but sort of can't find a breakthrough, then you bring him on in that deep line role. A little bit more creativity, get him on the ball a lot more, and he can and, and he can change games in the last twenty minutes from that position. Hmm. I don't. That's why I'm, I'm less worried about his physicality because very rarely this season is he going to be required to do that for ninety minutes. He's going to be a, a final twenty minute player when we when we desperately need a goal. Hmm. Um, so Lanzini, sorry, yeah, yeah, Lanzini, yeah. So given his creative nature, I think that's how he will be used in that in that position. Sort of from a from a deep line position, um, so that we don't lose a great deal of shape even with them on the pitch. Brink coming on for the last twenty minutes, um, but he'll have a little bit more about him than say I don't know Declan Rice or Thomas Suchek. Mm. So yeah, I, I'm not so worried about that because he, he won't be required to do it for ninety minutes against United at Old Trafford, for example, mm. um, unless we've got loads of injuries which is inevitable at some point of the season yeah. and he is then forced to play the 90 minutes but it's what chance windows for isn't it yeah yeah fair enough and Connor Coventry you mentioned him and I know we've joked about this past because you've been spouting about him being the next up and comer 
for a long time. Uh, played against Brentford on Saturday. Uh, really good, mate, to be quite honest. I was expecting to um, to take a few notes, see him <laughs> look, look League One at best, um, and that I'd be able to rip into you about it. He looked really composed. I mean, you know, nothing sort of spectacular, but nothing glaring either. He looked like a more than, you know, accomplished Premier League midfielder. He got about quite well, um, sprayed the ball around quite nicely, pretty composed with his passing. Again, nothing majorly adventurous, uh, but all in all, I thought held him, held his, uh, held his head up high and, and gave a reasonably efficient account of himself you know six to seven out of ten i would say certainly no real negatives to say well that's he's been like that all pre-season um so it's quite surprising to to read the reports this week that um that the club are willing to let him go out online and if they're not going to buy a central, another midfielder you can't then just rely on lanzini and noble as your backup to to Suchek and rice it, it makes so much sense to have a player like Coventry in and around the first team squad all season. Give him the first two minutes when, you know, in the cup games, maybe in the Europa League, depending on who we draw. Um, give him the odd Premier League appearance. Um, I just, I don't see the logic in sending him out alone. Yeah, he needs minutes to, to develop. It's the player that he, he could be. But why not give him those minutes during the season as a backup midfielder? We're going to need a backup midfielder. And it just it baffles me that he's proven in preseason that he, you know, he can, he can play to a good enough level, um, to be to play that backup role within the squad, and apparently they're just going to ship him out alone to Peterborough to play in a relegation battle in the championship, and it just sort of it's all a little bit weird for me. It mm. just doesn't make any sense unless they've got a central midfielder lined up that they can that he's bringing in. But even then, that kind of like, well, why don't you give the youth player a go? Um, it just it, for me it doesn't make sense. You've got a player there that can that can step in. Look what Deccan Deccan Rice didn't have a loan spell. I'm not saying kind of commentary is going to be as good as Deccan Rice, but he didn't have a loan well spell. And then look what, but then look what happened. You know he got given minutes, and now he's he's he, he's the player that he is. Hmm. Give Connor Coventry minutes at the highest level, gradually bed him in, and I've no doubt they'd be able to fulfil his potential. That potential isn't going to be, you know, starting in, you know, European Championship finals for his country and, you know, being linked with £100 million moves to the Champions League clubs. But I think he can do a job. And it's disappointing that we're, that he's not being seen to be trusted to be getting those minutes this season. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think Peterborough, it is. Um, yeah. Peterborough, I think, are looking to. To bring him in on loan, I mean, he's certainly not going to be in any European Championship finals, is he? Given that he's Irish, um, well, he's represented. Yeah. To be fair, mate, he's represented Ireland um, at youth level, hasn't he? So I don't believe he's got a senior cap yet. No, he hasn't. He hasn't got a senior cap yet, so he could just do a Declan Rice anyway, couldn't he? I was going to say maybe this is the, he literally is the next Declan Rice. Yeah, he's just seen his career career path and thought, <laughs> oh, well, that's that's what all the top English central midfielders do now, just like Grealish as well. Um, yeah, I, I do think it's one of them. I think you, not you personally, you a little bit but fans in general are often a little bit guilty of putting like youth player tinted glasses on and seeing one into a bit like you know when someone signed for a lot of money 
people see a bit more than perhaps is there. And uh, with Coventry, I'd, again, it'd be great if he did make it. I didn't see anything um, to, at the weekend to make me think, oh, yeah, he's, he's so ready. No need to get another central midfielder at all. Um, but I do, I do see where you're coming from. I don't, uh, I don't, like, if we bring another central midfielder in, then okay, send him out on loan. But at the moment, there isn't another central midfielder coming into the club. We're not even uh, being linked with any. So, so you think, James? So, but right, hang on, just um, now. Now I've got to pull you up on this one, and you and all other fans who do this. Um, when you say we're not being linked with any, right? As soon as, as soon as West Ham get linked with anyone. There's just a torrent of abuse. Oh, we can't do any business behind closed doors. Even if it's not that shout, then it's, oh, this is just stories being leaked by the board to make us think that we're being linked with people. And you know we always try and stay as balanced as we can about all things to do with the way the clubs run, the people who are running it. And we give a, a, a balanced and a fair view and we say whatever needs saying on either side of the debate we it's certainly hard to um, accuse us of pinning our flag to to one particular mast however in this instance and it's a line that's come out of the club before that i've previously hated there is a bit of a, a damned if they do damned if they don't with stuff like that isn't there because when we're linked to the, the only remedy to it is to make signings is to have players holding the shirt up having signed for west ham that's the only remedy, isn't it? Because if we're linked with people, they get criticised for being like ridiculous stories that aren't true and leaking stuff to the media. And if we're linked with no one, you go, well, we should be keeping Coventry because we're not even being linked with anyone. Well, no, I think you, you, you make a point, but it's a not always point. the board. You but, missed out the word but, good there, mate. You just said a point, sorry. <laughs> you make a good point. Thank you. Um, but but it's... A lot of people forget that it's not just the club that will, will release these links out. It, it's agents. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. It's, it's it's other clubs trying to tout their players up for sale. Mm. Um, so <laughs> people whenever... can't even be asked to use West Ham for that anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one will it's, believe it. <laughs> it's, almost, it's almost like an eBay for players. So I've got this player up for sale. But I'm not going to tell the buyer. I'm just going to just let everyone know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know... <laughs> I just, I just think that a lot of people just think that every time that we're linked with a player, it's because the club's told one of their sources who's then told the world when actually it could be that player's agent touting him out. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so. and, and, and often, often is the case is that an agent will go tell his journalist mate, oh, by the way, my player um, has had contact with XYZ when actually only Z's been in touch and X yeah, and yeah. Y are just the... So... To- build the price up but my point my original point which i still stand by is the fact that not even that's happening with central midfielders for us <laughs> yeah. right like, not even agents are going oh we're standing interested in my in, in my client like, like there's just no like earlier on in the summer it was we were interested in alex crow um oh yeah yeah he, he had a, a pretty poor euros for Czech Republic yeah. and now he's just gone missing like no one knows what's happening but we were led to believe that he'd already signed the contract mm. or he was already agreed personal terms and, and that's just gone quiet um, and now it's just like there's no central midfielder that we're even remotely interested in um, according to the transfer rumour gossip columns so um, not that I believe all of the gossip columns um, 
I know you, that for experience. Um, you're right, most of them, didn't them. you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, it's my career. Um, but you'd expect us, if we were actually anywhere near signing one, you'd expect us to be linked to, to two or three in the, in the gossip columns, and we're just not. What do you want to do? I'll give you the choice. Uh, an overall review of, of pre-season. Um, it's worth letting everyone know, actually, now, James. I think that uh, we're back next week, so we'll have the podcast will go out. Uh, you should be listening to this from Wednesday morning, and then we'll be back next week, as always, from Tuesday with uh, the format that we saw last season. Uh, some tweaks, of course, but uh, the charity bets will be back uh, the opposition views, uh, some of the excellent guests we've had, former players, esteemed journalists, etc., etc. All of that will be back uh, the normal format, a bit more structured uh, than they have been over the summer from next Tuesday. So, Jonesy, just as we wrap up this um, this last informal podcast with just the two of us for the season, you've got two topics, and you can pick which one we do first. The fresh uh, takeover chat there's been some developments in this potential takeover uh, PAI capital at the company with involved with Philip Beard the former QPR executive uh, we can do that or we can just do a general summary of how you think pre-season's gone so far worth noting on that note as well James that Declan Rice has been pictured back in training today fair play Harry Kane has decided that he does not want to be at Tottenham anymore trophy shy Tottenham Hotspurs so he's not bothered turning up for work but Declan Rice like the West Ham loving professional as he is has, uh, has been pictured in pre-season training says a lot about the man doesn't it exactly no that's, to be that's all I'm saying to be fair I, I back I back Kane to be honest I'm, I'm very pro Kane I think he's been an absolute exemplary hero for Spurs for 16 years literally hasn't put a foot wrong it's been perfect for the club never caused them any controversy or anything been one of their best players in modern history and yeah I mean look at look at the club they're building around him mate without him yeah. they're just a poor wolves aren't they I, I completely agree um, and I mean way I see it is that he should have left last summer like, like never going to win anything under yeah. Mourinho at, at, at Spurs um, I can understand sort of why he tried but yeah yeah. Um, but I don't know football's a funny game isn't it I saw someone tweet this earlier is that just imagine just not not turning up for work because you didn't get a pay rise mm. like in, in well, normal life like obviously I know these, these guys are multi-millionaire footballers that have huge financial contracts tied to mm. them and they can't like you know there's so so much going on there that they, they can afford to do it and get away with it but just that's why football's just a crazy thing isn't it like, yeah, crazy yeah, industries yeah. like if i if i just said to my boss tomorrow i'll make i want a pay rise and said no you're not having a pay yeah, rise. but he's not after a pay rise um, is he if you said well i, I mean release I mean, my contract let's have it right though like there's probably conversations going on look i will stay Nah, if you don't remember. no chance, no Come chance, on. no chance. What the Tottenham are going to do that? He's got like a, how many three years left? Is it on a 200, 300 grand a week? That you, whatever. That, that that's the bargaining chip for him, though, isn't it? And his and his agent, who also is his brother. Well, um, yeah, he's not actually. He's just his manager, isn't he? Of his affairs, yeah, something like his that. agent. But yeah, yeah. But that that will be a bargaining chip. That will be a 
oh, like, I really want to go and play for Man City. Yeah, well, we're not going to sell you to Man City. Okay, well, if you really want me to stay, then give me more money. No, like, every fo- every right. footballer does that. Ah. The fact the fact that everyone goes, oh, Harry Kane's not like that. Well, he's just not turned up for training for two days. So, of course, he's like that. Um, he's not the type of player that just wants to leave for trophies. He calls, what are you talking about? Are you mad? Of, of course, course he uh, is. Of course. Yeah, but he, he's like, okay, I want to go to City to win trophies. Well, you're not going to go to City because we're, like, we're not selling you because you've got three years left. Okay, then we'll pay me more money. That's what is. That's the conversation that will be happening. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. Guarantee it based on what? Because you but, look a bit like him. But Harry, <laughs> well, I mean... If I was him, I'd be doing the same thing. Um, but it's, it's probably it's not even him saying it. It's his brother or his agent or his mate or whoever it is. Uh, He's saying it. Harry Kane's sitting at home on, on playing Fortnite or something, just <laughs> living the dream, going, picking up the phone, going, what's the latest? Can I go to City yet? No, we're going to give me a pay rise then. Like, that's what's happening. That's exactly yeah. what's happening. Yeah, and I make, I make him right for it because there's absolutely um, nothing I love more than seeing Tottenham fans panic on social media because it is absolutely hilarious and we're going to be in the same boat when Declan Rice eventually leaves as well so I'm going to enjoy it while it lasts just uh, just like to note for uh, Harry Kane's lawyers if you are listening which I assume you are those were the views of James Jones the individual <laughs> rather than William Pugh or the We Are West Ham podcast <laughs> nah, I'm, I couldn't agree uh, couldn't agree less even if I tried to be honest but anyway enough of that back to West Ham not to talk about uh, Tottenham all night long. Um, right, I'm going to decide then, Jonesy. Uh, the takeover stuff. What are we? What are we saying? Ultimately, PAI Capital have said they're going to release a an in depth uh, dossier kind of thing on Wednesday evening, I believe. Um, they did a couple of very brief interviews with a few outlets. There's been little bits and pieces leaking out about this deal. They're trying to make it sound like it wasn't quite as as much of a measly offer as was made out by David Sullivan. Um, the, the, I think we mentioned this last time, Jonesy. Correct, forgive us, listeners, if um, we have already spoke about this. But you know the, the the terminology around it, where it's like getting the best deal for Londoners and the taxpayer and all that sort of thing didn't exactly fill me with confidence that they were in it for West Ham and West Ham fans. Um, but yeah, sort of what, what, what you make of, of where it's at. It sounds like it wasn't as paltry basically as David Sullivan tried to make it out as um, he sort of yeah. turned into a bit of a public debate now almost. And they're going to release this thing on Wednesday evening, which is supposed to outline in a lot more detail um, the ins and outs of, of their plans. Um yeah, I mean, you know, as we've said before, I, uh, I think ultimately I, I wouldn't be, yeah, I'm not one of those GSB out at all costs. Absolutely not. And and I think a lot of fans that I've seen have perhaps been guilty of just being blinded by the potential of, of Gold Sullivan and Brady leaving. I certainly haven't seen anything so far to make me suggest that Kayette you know, this would be better that we'd been in as as West Ham supporters be any in a different boat or in any much of a different situation. It's weird, isn't it? It, it went from David Sullivan saying that it wasn't it wasn't a proper offer to a full blown takeover saga within the space of about twenty four hours when they when they released that statement. Um, 
statement was interesting from them. I did half switch off as soon as they mentioned Olympic legacy. Mm. It's like, well, that's not got nothing to do with we'll West Ham. Yeah, we'll okay, that. yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, the fact that the, I mean, the fact that that stadium's hemorrhaging money left, right, and centre suggests that the Olympic legacy is dead. Um, <laughs> and we're we're keeping Stratford afloat at the moment. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, any mention of Olympic legacy or you know, or doing what's right for for Londoners in general Londoners, yeah. isn't going to get West Ham fans on side. I, I can see why they went public with that, hmm. um, because for me it was a clever way of going. Look, we are serious about this and getting West Ham fans a little bit excited about it and potentially putting a little bit of pressure on Golden Sullivan. Um, and whatever, whatever they release on Wednesday night, I'm sure will will be intended to do the very same because um, hmm. the more pressure on Golden Sullivan. Um, and more support behind a potential buyer is only going to work in their favour. Um, yeah, yeah. But they can't be coming out with Olympic legacies and doing what's right for London and stuff like that. So West Ham fans don't care about that. We just <laughs> want to know how much, how much money you're going to put put into the transfer market. What world class player are you going to buy, and whether you're going to buy Neymar or Mbappe. Like, which one are you going to buy? But no, but I, um, you know what? Yeah. In all seriousness, in all seriousness. West Ham fans just want someone to come in and actually care about the future of the football mm. club. And that we um, they can connect with. And we, we. that they can connect with and that they, they can they can trust. They know they're not yeah. going to be lied to. Yeah. Um and that they can just, you know, feel proud to 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 support West Ham United, which many, many West Ham fans haven't been able to to do for the last sort of, you know, five or six or maybe even ten years. Mm. Um so they need to get the, you know, the messaging right. Um, but then if they get the messaging right and it all goes through lovely jubbly, then they've got to then deliver it. And um, that's why I'm a little bit cautious on yeah, yeah. if this does go through, let's not, you know, throw parties and pop the champagne too, mm. too quickly because they could come in and be exactly the same. Um, yeah, yeah, or okay, worse. It was worth, they're worth 400 billion this this mm. company but it's it's a an investment company isn't it it's not yeah not, well that's the thing mate it's, isn't it it's the company the company isn't actually buying west ham it's <laughs> for us the, yeah yeah it's the hedge fund managers and and everything else so we won't have 400 billion quid behind us and suddenly become the second richest club in the world. It's just not going to happen because that 400 billion quid is other people's money in investment yeah, yeah. and hedge funds and stuff like that. So yeah, it, it'd be interesting to see where this one goes. It's very quickly becoming a bit of a takeover saga. I don't like the fact that it's been played out in public in the way that it really has been. Mate, um, mate I'm sorry. Whoever ends up buying West Ham off David Golden Sullivan, if it's going to be a public fight, does, of course it is, mate. Yeah, of course yeah. it is. They, You're they, joking. They, they, they're they, going to they, want one last swan song, aren't they? Of, they're going to go out swinging publicity. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, I just, yeah, yeah I, I just think, yeah, there's, there's no chances there. If, if, not be funny. If it was such a derisory offer in the first place, this bid, then there'd have been no need to comment on it, would there? Like, if it's five hundred million quid, if PAI Capital hadn't made it like public which i didn't seem to have like the original story seemed to have come from west ham have turned down an offer um it seemed to come apparently the offer was 500 million not 400 million right okay so and apparently that was what david sullivan had had said that he wanted for the club um so the fact that he's come out and there even though it's exactly what Allegedly, that's what he asked for. Nah. So it's all a little bit weird. I think there's a lot more going on behind the scenes that we, we don't know quite yet. 
I think on Karen Brady's website as well, forgive me if I'm wrong, because I haven't seen this for a while, but there's mention of them having rejected offers of around 800 million plus for the club before. So I'm not so sure that that's the figure that um, David Sullivan's actually after. But uh, I mean, like I say, apparently this PAI capital releasing some dossier on wednesday evening so keep your eyes peeled about that we'll do what we can as always worth listening as well um obviously don't mind bigging up other podcasts but kieran mcguire football finance expert that we had on friend of the podcast who come on last season was absolutely brilliant um to chat to us he does the price of football podcast and this week he'd done a pretty decent episode on um yeah he, he spoke about the west ham the potential ownership right at the beginning of that so uh yeah have a listen to that if you fancy after listening to the full we are west ham podcast of course Um, Jonesy, we'll talk about that more. We'll endeavour to get some some experts on throughout the season, as we did last year, to uh, enlighten the We Are West Ham listeners about what's going on. Um, we'll just finish off with a nice light-hearted one then, mate. Uh, the pre-season, on the whole, um, we've looked pretty flawless, haven't we? Unbeaten. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember the last time we got unbeaten in pre-season. Yeah. Um, Tragic. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, it's it's encouraging that uh, it seems like, given that we've had an even more threadbare squad than than we had than we have when it's full strength, you know, Suchek and Sufal came up came back only what two weeks ago, haven't played yet. Dick and Rice only returned this week. Um, is injured again, um, so we've we've had we've not had a full squad, but it's, it seems like David Moyes is still getting the best out of the team implementing his system quite well, uh, training a few players in some new positions. So you have to look at it, it's been successful, battered Celtic 6-2, um, which got me the shock of the shock of pre-season, really. I mean, they were... Is it? They, they were almost... They were very close to full strength because they are playing. They were playing Champions League uh, qualifiers. Yeah, but they're league, they're league one quality. Yeah, lost in those... Um, yeah, real to FC Midtjylland, wasn't it? Yeah, real world above us, Celtic at the moment. It's great. Um, and then we rock <laughs> well, up there. And, and, why is it great? Oh, I just, uh, I mean, I, I find Celtic and Rangers fans very odd. Like they hate <laughs> each other so they hate each other so much. Um, just don't don't stop talking about each other. It's like, yeah, I just find it really odd. Um, but yeah, battered them. Could win over Brentford. Um, Drew with Leighton Orient. Mm. Drew with Orient, but that was oh, earlier on, wasn't it? That was yeah, earlier yeah. on. Beat Northampton. Um, beat Northampton. Beat Reading. So it's been it's been a good pre-season. The real test is the Betway Cup. Yeah, absolutely. First bit of silverware for the season up for grabs. Yeah. Um, hopefully Suchek and Sufal being out. You might, you might see Ariola as well. Mm. I think it'll be too soon with Declan Rice, wouldn't it? But he might come off the last 10. But um, Just to say farewell. Just to say farewell. But yeah, it, I, th- I think that's the test, isn't it? Uh, Atalanta have, I think they've sold a couple of their best players as well this, this summer. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting uh, to see how we get on against those guys. But following week, it's the big one, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It comes up mate. very quickly, doesn't it? Mm, Carl, especially this summer. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah. I need a bit more of a rest from just as soon as the Olympics is done. It's like brilliant. Back to uh, yeah. pre-season. Uh, sorry, back to the the Premier League. And yeah, I know what you mean, mate. I know what you mean. Well, look, it's, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard. I, I, I'm trying to hold myself back a little bit. I just, I just don't like the feeling of us not fulfilling our potential. We've got some really good things going on at the club at the moment, especially after last season. It just feels very much like when we finished where we did in the last season at Upton Park, massively failed to capitalise on that finish, the move to the new stadium, da-da-da. And it's taken, what, five years for something years. else remotely positive to come round again. And it does just feel like we're failing to capitalise on it again. However, I think we've done a good job tonight, mate, of not being too negative too soon. <laughs> um, obviously, the, well, the episode after the August the 31st transfer deadline might be different, but... You know, it's the third of August today, mate. That's, that's that's a lot of days left, isn't it, to get some business done? I'd like to think so. Um, question I was going to ask you, mate, Go on. is what is a good season for us next season? Oh, um, if you fast forward, fast forward nine months, yeah. Uh, what, what would you consider to be a successful season, building on last year? Europa League quarter final. Um, I'm going to say the same again with the cup competitions as I did last season. Uh, just don't go out. and in, I want to go out to a team who ends up finishing around us or above us in the Premier League, ultimately. That's all I'm, I'm bothered about. Like last year, we went out to Everton away in the League Cup, didn't we? And United, of course, wasn't it? In the, uh, the Cup, yeah. Man United in the FA Cup. No, you, going out of the two domestic cup competitions at Goodison Park and Old Trafford, no shame in that whatsoever. So it doesn't really matter what stage because it's easy to go, oh, yeah, we should get to a semi-final. Well, if you get drawn City in the first leg, then that's silly saying that, is it? We go in the League Cup one round later than usual this season, don't we, in the third round? Yeah. So um, that might be a, a slight benefit, you'd hope. But yeah, so that's domestic cups. Just if we go out at whatever stage, do it to a team where it's not a massive headlines. If we lose to Everton or any away to the top six or even at home to the top six, no, I'm not too ashamed about that. Um, I'd like to think we'd get a minimum, get through the group stages. I mean, that would be brilliant. Uh, that's not so much of an expectation. Um, and if we can do all that and uh, realistically, I'd, I don't know what I'd, what I'd like to happen. It depends what way we're looking at it from mate. Really. Ideally, I'd like to think that, we can go again and qualify for Europe again because that's the club we're supposed to be, isn't it? I've got faith Moyes can do it, but I don't think at the moment, at this stage of where we are in the transfer window, um, that that the club aren't showing that same level of, um, uh, I don't know, what's the word? Desire and ambition. But it is still early, mate. You know, business can be done later on. We had the Euros this summer, so... I'm, I'm not going to be too negative now. So, yeah, in answer to your question, I'd love to get through the group stages. If we got to a Europa League quarterfinal, I'd be buzzing with that. Um, yeah, get as far as we get in the Cups, as long as we don't go out in shameful fashion. Top half of the Premier League as a minimum. If, we, you know, if we're not going to make any more signings, that's probably all we can hope for. If we do a bit of business between now and the end of the season, no reason whatsoever why we should be fearing teams like Tottenham and Arsenal. Uh, and the like, and Everton next season. No reason whatsoever that we can't do the same domestically again. So I'm, I'm still, I'm confident that it's going to be an interesting, exciting season, mate. What about you? I've been thinking a lot about it. Um, someone asked me the other day, 
And initially I said, from the league perspective, right, just the top 10 finish, I think, would be a good a, a good season for West Ham. Yeah. Historically, we've always followed up a good season with a bad one. So if we can avoid having another bad season, if you actually look at the season by season, it literally has gone like that. Moyes sacked by um, Jan. Yeah, like we've always followed that up with a, with a poor season. So if we can avoid that, we're not going to finish in the top six again. It'd be nice, um, but I just don't see us. I don't see us doing it. Um, top eight is is possible, but I think a top ten finish is realistic. Hmm. Getting that top ten for even it's one or two more years, just consistently stay there, and then you start building. Um, and then for the cups, I agree with you on the in the, the league cup and the FA Cup. A cut run would be nice, but it all depends on who you draw. Of course, it does. Um, yeah. And you know, when you unless you man City and draw non-league opposition almost every round until the final for most cups, like you're going to come up against a, a, a tough a tough team at some point, hmm. um, and you got to beat the best teams to win these competitions. So, yeah. but. Just don't lose run. to flipping Gillingham or Oxford, mate. That's all I'm asking. Yeah, it's not a lot exactly. of it? Yeah, exactly. Don't get battered 4 0 by Oxford or Wimbledon. <laughs> Whipped away by Nottingham Whatever. Forest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I agree with that front. It'd be nice to have a cut run, but it all depends. And for the Europa League, initially I was like, I just don't want to disgrace ourselves in a group stage. Hmm. Um, but I think I think we've, we, we're good enough. Um, one or two signings, pend, like sort of, you know, depending whether we can bring one or two players in. I think getting out of the group should be the target, hmm. but we haven't seen who we've drawn yet. You know, <laughs> but um, yeah, getting out of the group should be the target. And I think if we get out of the group, happy days. Hmm. Um, what happens beyond that? It's a knockout competition against some of the best teams in Europe. So we'll yeah. see what happens after that. But what I want to know is: it like if you finish third, do we go into the Conference League? Uh, oh, blimey, you've put it me like on the where, spot there, you know, mate. you know in the Champions League where if you finish third in your group, you get to have a little go at the Europa League? I don't think um, so. Nah, I'm pretty sure um, that if you get knocked out of the Europa League group stage, you're just out. I, mate, I tried to look the other day, right? Just something to do with work. And uh, I was looking through the Europa Conference League stuff, just like when t- Tottenham's fixtures start for that in like two, uh, two weeks 19th time, think, yeah. of August, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mate, what a confusing competition that is. There's like yeah. playoff round one, then it goes to like groups, then there's another little random playoff and then a couple of knockout bits for some teams and then a group. It is absolutely mind-blowing. So unfortunately, you've put me on the spot a little bit there. I don't believe so, um, but I, if I'm proved wrong or anyone who's done a bit more research into it than... Uh, than I have um, might be able to to argue. I'm just trying to frantically Google James, but no, I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure yeah, they I'm, don't. I don't know if I'd want to. To be fair, so it looks awful. Yeah, I mean it does look terrible. Um, but yeah, so that, that, I mean it would just been it would have added another little twist to potentially what we could go and achieve and, and achieve because you finished third in your group going to the Conference League. You got a shout silverware in my book because there Tottenham are some and Roma. football clubs. Yeah. <laughs> Christian football clubs aside from Tottenham and Roma um, in that in that competition. So, but I'd like to see us get out of the group. <laughs> so, look at this, right? I've just tried to Google it. It's just an impossible task to Google at such quick notice. In all, 184 teams will be involved over the course of the season, including at least one from each of the 55 associations. I mean, what the. Oh, hang on. 
and 46 clubs transferring from either the Euro- the UEFA Champions League or UEFA League. Oh, no. <laughs> it, no, isn't that isn't that qualifiers though? Because like, I think if you if we were if you lose your Europa League qualifier, you get you go straight into the conference. It's like the Champions League, like right. like Celtic are now playing Europa League qualifiers rather than Champions League qualifiers. Right. Okay, I'm with you. All right. Before the group stage, there will be three qualifying rounds and a playoff round split into a main path and a Champions path for those transferring from the UEFA Champions League. And UEFA Europa League champions path. <laughs> Look, I tell you what, anyone who's listened to this who actually wants to know the answer, um, yeah, all I could, yeah, anyone who wants to know, 10 teams eliminated in the UEFA Europa League playoffs. We're not in the playoffs, are we, James? So no. I'm assuming that means that, uh, yeah, I, you know, there's, I don't know. Basically, I don't think so. And if anyone who's listening wants to know, um, find out yourself i'm afraid because this is too much of a headache for a competition we're not even in uh one last thing james i will just say i was fortunate enough on wednesday last week to sit down one-to-one with ollie harder the west ham women's manager thoroughly enjoyed it what an interesting bloke he is uh the pieces i'll be writing off of the back of that i'm not exactly certain uh, when they come out yet, yeah, I'll of course be tweeting them out on uh, my Twitter at William Pugh underscore, and I'll be sharing them through um, at We Are West Ham. No, sorry, what are we at? We Are underscore West Ham. Oh, mate, I, f- I forgot. I've just been so it's long so since long, I it? promoted our Twitter at We Are yeah. underscore West Ham um, for the podcast Twitter at William Pugh underscore. Jonesy, what's your Twitter handle just in case? At by James Jones. At by, by James, James Jones. Jones. There you go. I assume you'll be sharing out um, my Oli Harder interviews when they come over. Of course, mate. Thank Just you, send me the links. Yeah, but honestly, James, on a serious note, uh, you know, he he said uh, after after we spoke that um, he hopes to see uh, see us at a lot of games this season. We've already said, haven't we, that we're we're definitely going to get down. Uh, and support the girls as much as we can. And he was absolutely enthralling, mate. He was an absolutely brilliant bloke. Um, obviously, I can't give too much away at this stage, but he was a lot different to to what I was expecting, really intense and a lot of the stuff, uh, the things that he said. He's got a really strong idea of what he stands for and what he wants the players to stand for and what he wants you know, players who are playing for him and at West Ham United. Uh, to stand for is yeah really really engaging bloke mate and um yeah it's given me a whole new uh view i think it was easy for a lot of us wasn't it at the end yeah. of last season the results didn't really change around too much uh when he came in but he seems like a fairly uh certainly sounds like he's taking a very different approach to that of, of matt beard that's for sure and and i got the sense that perhaps that's just taken a little bit of time to breed in there's been lots of chopping and changing over the summer on the playing front but um, yeah, so there will be a couple of interviews or a couple of pieces that I will be coming out off of the back of that that I'll be sharing. So keep an eye out for those. And uh, yeah, I'm hoping obviously we'll be able to to divulge a little bit more about what he said and um, and yeah, give it a, do a little bit of analysis on it once they come out, Jonesy. So that'll be in the next couple of weeks. But uh, very much the We Are West Ham podcast still fully behind the West Ham women's team this season. Uh, James and I will be getting down to see a few games hopefully a few you will as well um Josie I think I think that's it but I, I know this isn't a, a proper zoom meeting like they do at work but any other business 
No, I don't think so. Just the next time we speak, we might have some silverware in the in the Betway Cup. So that'd be <clears> that'd be fun. Um, but yeah, other than that, mate, um, just looking forward to the start of the new season, um, with or without any new faces in the in the squad. Just looking forward to getting getting back into it, and cannot wait for my first game back over there. I've not been since that last home game before COVID against Southampton. Um, yeah. So I'm just buzzing now. I'm really itching to get back over there. And I mean, I've, since the last time I've, I've, I went to watch West Ham at London Stadium, I've been there and scored there. So I'm looking forward to getting over there and, and, and watching them from afar this time around. <laughs> You're probably in the last three people to score at London Stadium, Jonesy. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely horrendous. That's got to be the last time. I think that's it. From the start of the new season, next season's a podcast proper. I don't think you're allowed to mention it then because it's very much last season and we're a podcast that looks forward, not back. We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) Well, um, I'll be at the Betway Cup uh, on Saturday, once again, representing the We Are West Ham podcast on my own uh, without James Jones, despite the several offers. It's getting a bit beggy now. Me texting him going, James, do you want to come out on this day with me and go for a beer? Just keeps on saying no, because Lucy's got him doing something. But Jonesy, me and you will be able to go and have a few pints uh, once the season starts again. And uh, yeah, just a bit more football like the old days. I hope all of you who are listening are looking forward to it as well i hope your lives are looking a bit more normal and uh yeah i hope you're looking forward to the season as much as we are we're going to try and sort something out at some point uh once you know it's all become a bit clear how games are going to work where we can all have a beer together for those of you who are match goers if you're so fancy we'll give you some details it'll be a few weeks maybe a month or two into the season once it's all up and running before we sort it out it'd be great to uh, to have a pint with a few of you and uh, and put some faces to some names of uh, some of the messages we get but we hope you'll stay with us for the season thanks for being patient with us over the summer while well, we focused on a few other bits and pieces but we'll be back in the game this is us from uh, this time next week once a week as usual, your We Are West Ham podcast uh, into your ears from me and James Jones. It's shaping up, not from a transfer perspective, but just from a general excitement levels perspective. Uh, and if our pre-season performances are anything to go by, to be a jolly, exciting season for West Ham. Even if it's not, we're going to be seeing West Ham in Europe. And that's something we haven't been able to say for a long, long time and might not be able to again for even longer. Thanks for sticking with us, everyone. As always, up the hammers and we'll see you next week. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West Ham podcast. Podcast Network.